Welcome to Doctor Who A to Z, a show that covers everything Doctor Who from beginning to end, from 1963 to present, from Hartnell to Gatwa, from Auton to Zygon. Hello, Whovians. This is Doctor Who A to Z. My name is Alan. And I am Josh. And here we are. Josh, how's it going, buddy? Hey, you know... One day after another, we're here in the live talking about Doctor Who. So how bad can it be? It's like the one bright part of the week. Once a week, we get to sit down and talk about Doctor Who. Happens on a Wednesday, halfway through the week. Just uh, <laughs> helping us get to the other side. Hump day. <laughs> All right. This week, we are going to be talking about a story that you picked, which is the Romans from season two. But before we do that. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got a new trailer that dropped on Saturday. And this is a big, know? like, two and a half minute trailer. This is the most we've seen so far of the upcoming 60th anniversary specials. I mean, I guess it was. It felt like the same stuff we'd seen before, though. It didn't really feel like it was anything new, per se. Yeah, it, there was a lot of new stuff, but it just sort of expanded on what they'd already shown us. It's like... You know, you could have given us like a whole new trailer, but no. Right. And it seemed like a lot of alternate takes of same scenes in the previous trailer. <laughs> right. It, it is. Yeah. Well, did it strike any impression on you? I mean, honestly, no, because it feels like the exact same yeah. trailer as we saw before. I mean, again, really, it's like we saw a lot of the same scenes, except some of them went a bit longer. Yep. I mean, it's the same setup. You see the doctor and Rose and, you know, see a lot of beep and, you know, the stuff in the nobles kitchen. I mean, like, again, it's the exact same thing yeah. that we saw before. Am I wrong? It, I mean, it's literally more of the same. Right. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like the exact same scenes, but they go on a little longer with a little more dialogue and, you know, so it was nice, but I mean, Right. I mean, you know, you know what? I'm fine. I'd rather yeah. not be spoiled before well, it comes I agree. out than I agree. have too much shown. Right. But, but what's really weird is that, I mean, they made the official announcement that Neil Patrick Harris is playing the toy maker, but yep. they don't even like address that in the trailer. I figured that the reason they did that is because it was something in the trailer <laughs> revealed it. And no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> it's so weird. It's almost like they meant to include it in the trailer and they forgot. And then they had to throw out a, like a Facebook post to amend it. Oh, by the way, we meant to tell you Neil Patrick Harris is the toy maker. <laughs> it was oh, such man. an odd thing for the BBC to do. They've been so secretive for so long. And, and it's like, not even in the trailer, just throw it out there. Yeah, he's yeah. a toy maker. It's such a Paramount Plus thing to do because Paramount Plus has just made blunder after blunder in managing all of their Star Trek properties and the way they promote them and their convention appearances and they've just done stupid shit left and right and so here we have <laughs> the bbc kind of like catching up with their own omission almost but i think there was one thing that was in the trailer that uh we didn't see before which we did see kate and we did right. see the avengers i mean unit tower, tower right. <laughs> and i was like are, did they shoot this in atlanta i mean come on <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny but yeah Kate is the one big new reveal that we got in the trailer. And I love Kate. So I am really thrilled that she's back in it. So that's good. Yeah, I'm excited to see her. But um, I didn't notice this at first. Somebody pointed this out to me. But that 
promo image that they released of Bonnie Langford a month and a month and a half ago, whatever it was, where she's sort of standing with her arms crossed and it's a nice pose and it's like a little, you know, promotional picture is she's standing on that upper platform of Avengers Tower. <laughs> the, you can look at the background and you see exactly the same backdrop as what you see on. So she's she's at unit. So I'm guessing Kate and unit are in the, the Shudigawa finale with Bonnie, which is exciting. I guess that's a good call to make. Yeah, I guess yeah. I didn't think about that. How about that? Look How at you play Detective that? Allen. Oh, well, like I said, somebody pointed it out to me. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just claimed it for your own. I should. But it's my buddy, Anthony Williams, and he'll he'll catch me if I don't uh, admit that I uh, was the one that caught it. So anyway, so a new trailer, and we still don't know when the specials are airing. So I'm sticking with my prediction that they're going to be November 23, 24, and 25. I feel strongly about that we'll see i mean again as you said in the past you got a pretty good chance of it happening i think so we'll see so any other news we did today get the details on the last once in future story for this year oh that's right i'm so glad you mentioned that i completely forgot uh, the reason i think of this is because it's also coming out in october which means we'll have two once in future stories to cover next month that's right that's right. So one toward the beginning of the month and one at the end of the month, That's theoretically. Correct. So we will probably end up after we do the, uh, the girl who waited the next one after that will end up being the next one in future. If I had to guess, cause it'll be right. that first week. Right. So talk about that one that got announced today. So we know that we knew the story was once in the future, the union, which if you've been following along with this, the union seems to be the name of whatever thing the doctor was looking for. So this one is, as we expected, going to be the Paul McGann story, but not just Paul McGann. It's Paul McGann and Tom Baker. Yeah. Evidently, in this one, he's duration is going so crazy, he switches back and forth between the eighth and fourth doctors during the course of the story. But um, in our dartboard throwing of character combinations... <laughs> Actually, this one is, doesn't feel quite so random because this one actually feels like maybe there might be some purpose in it. Agreed. Because because it is Carolyn Ford as Susan, and then we've got my favorite and yours, Alex Kingston as River Song in the story. So. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm looking forward to to having Susan back. And you know, she's one of sure. those characters. You know, you always hear this every time somebody brings up Mel or the Sixth Doctor or whatever that. Big Finish really did well by them, really reinvented their characters and really, you know, gave them material that they should have had on TV, blah, blah, blah. And I certainly feel that way about Susan. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing in a 60th anniversary story, when you're coming up to the final chapter, at least the final chapter for this year, because the final chapter actually will come out next year. Um, right. But it's nice to have Susan, you know, in that sort of like that wrap up story. Right. Um, and I think it'll also be interesting because, I mean, I don't know if you listen to her Time War stories, uh, which, you know, which is set well after the time that, you know, she left the, the doctor mm -hmm. and well after the time where she originally met the eighth doctor in his line. Right. 
um, all during the time war, which was got some interesting stuff in it. And she's doing some uh, neat things. So I'm assuming this is going to tie into what she was doing in that set. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, I mean, they did announce today that Doctor Who confidential. Wait, I'm sorry. It's not confidential anymore. Again, we're, it's 2005 again because exactly. Russell Davis is back. Got to have a behind the scenes show. And I haven't even seen this announcement. I saw somebody mention it, but I haven't actually seen the news. So is there, is it, is there another name? Yeah. So it's, it's called Doctor Who Unleashed. Oh God. That's dumb. a 30 minute factual entertainment series. Okay. I mean, basically it's just confidential under a new name, uh, being hosted by uh bbc gaming correspondent stefan powell oh we're doing a uh behind the scenes uh show after every episode of doctor who on bbc3 so again it's just confidential yeah. once again under a different name unleashed mm -hmm. so, so, i don't so understand posted. like why not call it confidential again i mean <laughs> right exactly and if, if you're calling it unleashed why isn't it hosted by k9 <laughs> sure come on it's such a, I mean, I, I mean, like it all tracks. I mean, oh, yeah. RTD is back, so all the RTD stuff's gonna. Oh God, it's just gonna be 2005 all over again, isn't it? Well, that's what the people want, Josh. <sighs> no, actually, I'm sorry, not 2005 because it's gonna be the tenant era again. So it'll be 2006, Six. 2007 all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, okay, so let's talk about the Romans. All right. All right. So the Romans is the fourth serial of the of Doctor Who's second season. And it was written by Dennis Spooner, directed by Christopher Barry. And it was first broadcast starting on 16 January 1965. And in the serial, the first Doctor and Vicky investigate intrigue surrounding the death of a liar player en route to perform at the Palace of emperor nero in rome ian is kidnapped and sold off he's uh, thrown into the lion den and barbara is sold off as a slave and ends up in nero's palace working for his wife papaya so intrigue so josh you picked this one I what did. was your thoughts behind it well uh number one i picked it because I love pure historicals and it is a lost art in Doctor Who. I am so disappointed that they don't do them anymore because I think there's a lot of things that you can do with Doctor Who format. You know, it's interesting enough having it just and against a pure historical backdrop that you don't need to ruin it with monsters. When when Doctor Who became all about like it's gotta have a monster in it, yeah. it was a very sad day to me i mean not that i was alive when that happened but <laughs> right it was a sad day to me regardless i just there's just so much that i love just like from a dramatic standpoint like doing a, a pure historical you know with a, a time travel show that um it's a shame they don't try it more often yeah i always got to try to throw something sci-fi or monstery into it which I mean, like, it's fine. I guess that's what the show is nowadays to the general public, but I, I, there's a little bit of a nuance that gets lost by not doing mm -hmm. pure historicals anymore. So that's oh, I why agree. I wanted to go back to it because I love the pure historical and the Romans is 
one of my favorites because it's not afraid to be a little silly. A little silly. <laughs> it's <a> look, little. <laughs> look, episodes one, two, and four yeah. are perfectly fine. It only goes over the line in episode three. So like on average, <laughs> it's a little silly. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. You know, I think that in a lot of ways, Hartnell gets a bad rap for, you know, being the, the doddering old man who doesn't know what's going on around him and can't remember his lines and, and just bumps into furniture and all this kind of nonsense. And then you have the Romans where he is just 100% engaged. He is in his element in this story. He, if you look at, there's like, you know, a, like three or so truly comedic scripts or ones that at least use comedic elements in the script. And he is just on top on all of those because he, he clearly loved doing the, the comedy ones. And this is one yes. of the best. Yeah. I mean, I think he was always drawn to it, but I mean, he was always as a character actor was never really, yeah. um, given those kind of roles all that often. So I think he certainly loved when he could play up on the comedy era uh, type of stuff. And uh, yeah, I know like he's a lot of fun to watch in this story. It's, it's always, you know, it's weird because I come into the story, you know, 30 years after it's made and there's this whole continuity of Doctor Who that didn't exist then. But when you look back at it now, like you've got to stop and think. So, well, let's set aside whatever Chibnall wants to do. This is the youngest version of the doctor out there. Right. And he's just now getting out and exploring the universe. He's like, almost like, you know, he's a time Lord kid, essentially. Like he's young. He's, you know, out there, sowing his time Lord oats and God. whatnot, you know, <laughs> getting out there and seeing, you know, history in the universe. And this is a story with the doctor that you really can see that youthful exuberance in him as yeah. being the young one. Like, I mean, I don't, obviously that was not what it was intended at the time, but you know, mm -hmm. retroactively looking back on it, you can really ascribe that. And like, yeah, this is a doctor who is just doesn't, want to play by the rules yet and hasn't figured out who he is and is going off and, and just doing whatever and having a blast doing it. Um, I, I love that interpretation of this for me. Yes. And along those lines, this is the first story that Vicky is traveling with them. Like she was introduced in the previous story. So this is her first journey with them. And so she has that, she has that. I am seeing all this stuff for the very first time. And I think that he just comes to life. I think that he's, you know, he's ditched that baggage aside, that being Susan, <laughs> sorry to say, and has a, a new pal to run around with and show her all these things and discover the wonders of the universe with her through like these new eyes. And I think that the pairing of those two is hugely infectious absolutely and i want to talk more about vicky and her importance oh, yeah. to the show in just a little bit oh yeah but you know s sticking on with hartnell yeah absolutely agree because you can see like 
he's been traveling with Ian and Barbara for, for long enough. And, you know, he was, you know, with Susan for so long. And now he's got these fresh eyes and he feels like he's got to like show off to her. He, he's, he name drops and like inserts himself into all sorts of stuff. Like obviously to impress her in the story. I mean, the doctor's always been a name dropper, but here yeah. he really goes into it hard because he's, you know, just introducing her to this whole concept of, what our life's going to be now. We get to go see all of time, space, and history. Right. And here's all the things that I've done. And look how impressive I am. Aren't you lucky <laughs> to be with me? I mean, again, it is like a young man trying to impress a new girl or a new beau. And that's exactly what he's doing here. And again, it plays up into the idea that this is the doctor being as youthful as he really is during his life at this point in time. Right. And you see, this is a, I think this is written much more youthfully. It's not just his performance. This The writing is different in this story because he's given a fight scene. I mean, he right. does all these things that you don't see in other stories. I mean, they, they're they walking along the road going to Rome and he doesn't have to sit down because he's winded or whatever, like you get in every story prior to this one. You know, he's not portrayed as an old man. And, you know, he kind of makes a point of that in the first episode when he announced that he's going to go to Rome and Barbara says, don't you think it'd be safer if we all went? And he was like, Oh, what is this now? What are you insinuating that I can't take care of myself that I can't do it alone? Well, screw you. I'm going anyway (laughs) and just sets off. And so this is a very different first doctor, I think. Right. I mean, like he, he really does like, I mean, obviously between the first and the second series that they oh, have yeah. here, like, you know, Hartnell's, the doctor's characterization is vastly different. I mean, yeah. obviously he's, you know, played a lot more old and crotchety and cranky and not trustworthy in his first stories. And especially now that Susan's gone, they really can let him let his hair down because he mm-hmm. doesn't have that, you know, he doesn't have to be grandfather anymore. Now he can be the doctor. And obviously we're going to see as we, you know, work through the rest of his time in the Troughton, like you know, how the doctor changes as an idea. Uh, but I mean, it all starts like here at, at this point in time, like when oh, Susan yeah. is gone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, and I, you know, I hated the, what uh, Carol Ann Ford got as far as um, material that didn't live up to what she was promised when she was hired. Susan is going to be this particular thing and it never really, well, I mean, I shouldn't say it never materialized. There are moments of it. You know, there are certainly moments of it in the sense rights and a couple of other things, but overall she just wasn't a good character and that has nothing to do with Carol Ann Ford. But I think that the best thing for the show was leaving that character behind. Mm-hmm. It not only freed up Hartnell from uh, having to be the grandfather figure, but it really kind of freed up Ian and Barbara from having to be the teacher figures. They right. get to be characters in their own right at this point. Yeah, it is. It's again, it really like just shedding Susan and adding Vicky again. I, we're gonna get a little bit into talking about. Oh, I guess we'll just talk about Vicky now. Let's just do because it. It, it kind of all ties in together. Because yes, we we get a shift in you know. Ian and Barbara, like when they were teachers, when they were, you know, the looking over Susan, whatever they, they were the ones that were stepping into the strange world and, you know, having to relate to it by now, now that Susan's gone, they've been with the doctor for so long. 
they're no longer, you know, new into the world. Like they're fully entrenched in it. Like they are like, they belong as time travelers. So they're no longer, you know, like the audience identification character, which means that, and obviously the doctor can't be it. So it's got to be Vicky now yeah. who is a futuristic you know, she's from the, what is it, 26th, 25th century, somewhere on those lines, like mm-hmm. far in the future, teenager. And that gives us a weird kind of dynamic because obviously she's the one that ideally we're supposed to relate to, like at least the, the kids watching it would relate to her. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's 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 important for her to, to be that identification character and, you know, have to show that she's different from Susan. And, you know, I think that, um, uh, O'Brien like really shines in the way that she kind of projects this energy and the way that she brings out the best in the doctor. And I mean, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Barbara and Ian are are always going to be kind of doing their own thing because, you know, they're in, intrinsically entwined like forever with just each other so that means it's got to be the doctor and vicky and again it revitalizes trout and it feels like and changes his doctor characterization pretty hang on hang on on. you said trout did i say trout revitalizes hartnell (laughs) hartnell yes obviously hartnell (laughs) you know it's been a long week i was Talking about the transition from Hartnell to Troughton, you know, things slip out when you get old. What can I say? I'm not, not as young as I used to be. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> I can remember all 60 years of the show and everybody that was in it. What can I say? Exactly. So you have to excuse me. Oh, well, it's quite all right. All right. You're going to pick up because now I've completely lost my note here. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Vicky, I think that. You know, people always say that Troughton had the hardest job, and and he did, as far as uh, making the show continue on with somebody new playing the lead character. But this is, when we're talking about Vicky, this is our very first main cast change. Yes. I think a lot rides on this, because the whole show has revolved around those four main characters, the doctor, Ian, Barbara, and Susan. And this is the first time that the show has demonstrated that it can go on without one of those four. And not only that, but it does it incredibly successfully. I think that Vicky is one of the greatest characters in the history of the show. I think she is, and I hate, you know, I love Barbara, but I think that Vicky might be the best first doctor companion and that's because she and the doctor have such a great relationship they have that on-screen chemistry that nobody else really had with hartnell yeah no i can absolutely see that and i i completely agree with your assessment on the importance uh riding on her as that first crew member change over i, I absolutely i mean when i say she's my favorite I, I like her a lot i think she gets overlooked a lot. Yeah, agreed. Because obviously, like, you know, she's not part of the original crew. She's not part of, you know, the last bit of Hartnell's era. And so she kind of gets lost in the middle. But I mean, like, I think, you know, this stretch of season two from the, the rescue through the chase is the absolute pinnacle of the Hartnell era to me. Like, oh, I, 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 I love this dynamic. I love those stories. 
I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that season two is an incredibly strong season. Um, and I would go all the way back to the beginning to planet of giants. Cause I really love that story a lot and there's a lot good in it, but you got planet of giants. You've got Dalek invasion of earth followed by the rescue, which introduces Vicky, the Romans, the web planet, which I know a lot of people have trouble watching, but I think is incredibly good. The Crusade Space Museum, which we've already talked about and we both love mm. very much. Now, I'm not a big fan of the chase. I'm just going to say <laughs> well, it's just not. I a, mean, it's kind of all over the place. It but... is all over the place. And then the time meddler. I mean, come on. That is a hell of a season. It's a good season. It's a good season. And Hartnell is just on top of his game the whole time. Yes. And again, letting him play lots of different aspects of the doctor and really again i mean he can still play quite serious but he gets to play a lot lighter and you know like he's actually having fun out there doing what he does yeah Uh, it doesn't quite feel so put off i mean like it's really interesting it's like i don't know what losing his granddaughter does to him but (laughs) it makes him just so much lightened up right (laughs) poor old susan Uh, he was just waiting for her to get out. I guess so. But no, I, I just, I, I mean, I just love the pairing of Ian Barbara and Vicky and the doctor. I mean, again, that's, that's my favorite first doctor error mm-hmm. companion pairing. So that run of stories, even the web planet is pretty, uh, phenomenal to me. And I even like the chase. I, I will admit, I mean, like, yes, it's a little bit long, and it kind of gets silly at times. But one of the things that I really like about the second season of Doctor Who is, I mean, obviously they had this brilliant idea and they kind of went in with this, you know, formula of how they were going to run the show, you know, mm-hmm. you know, future historical learning right on, like, again, trying to make everything like educational. And they hit upon this formula that was, you know, it's massively entertaining. And they're like, well, you know, maybe we don't have to focus so much on the education. Yeah, we'll still do the science stuff and we'll still do the history stuff. But does it have to be completely accurate all the time? Let's just have fun. And I mean, that that really kind of opens the show up. I mean, it does. It, 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 it really expands it out into what it's going to become. Because yeah. it's like it's it opens up the format to do anything at that point in time. Yeah, and that's kind of like why I like the Romans so much. Is I mean, it's the one time in Doctor Who where you know they obviously set out to make a comedy story. It's not just a story that has comedy bits in it, but it is just meant to be a comedy story, which is weird because there's lots of stuff going on in Rome that is just not cool. Right. But it is set up to be a comedy story. Yes, exactly, and. You know, even though this is intended to be a comedy and a straightforward historical, you still get that lean toward the education with the doctor giving a lesson about aqueducts at the beginning. The story set out to be a comedy, uh, so much so that as we you know talked about earlier, like we've got an entire episode that is just meant to be an over-the-top farce. Yes. Um, and I, I mean... 
obviously I think that's my least favorite episode of this, but I mean, again, it's like they're experimenting with the format. Mm -hmm. They're trying to decide what they can and can't do. And I mean, this is showing that doctor who can set out to be comedic from the beginning and do a whole story. And I think succeed at it. So yeah, there's a lot of like running around and he's, you know, a lecherous old man chasing a young woman and, you know, trying to have her way with her, which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the sixties, man. What do you want? Right. But I'm going to say that's the, that's the thing that I love the most about season two is that it doesn't, I don't feel like it gets caught up in trying to be a formula. Like the right. season one had, had certain things that it was doing. This one is the season of experimentation and they Absolutely. stretch their format as in every different direction that they can. And I find it so engaging and so adventurous and man, that's the thing that, I think is exciting about watching it is that every right. story Absolutely. is completely different. It opens up Doctor Who so much. I think if they had stuck to that format, I mean, they would have been fine for a while, but after a while, like any format gets stale, like, yeah. you're like, Oh, this is the future one. Oh, this is the past one. Oh, this is the one where something crazy happens over and over again. That's what season one is. They, they, it's, it's, it's forward, backwards and sideways. That's how they set up their whole formula. Right on. And, and now like there's, they're not having to stick to that. They're spread their wings. And that's what makes Doctor Who a success. You know, I remember reading that when the show was first starting and people were being cast and they were given scripts and they're about to go in for rehearsals and all that stuff. Nobody really had a lot of faith in Doctor Who. Like, you know, the main, most of the cast took it as, oh, so at least we'll have a job for 13, you know, weeks or whatever. And then maybe we'll get renewed. But Hartnell was like, this show has potential. This show could be successful. This show could run as much as five years. I think season two is really where Doctor Who becomes Doctor Who and sort of makes itself that show that can go five years, 10 years, 20 years, and now 60 years. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you want me to say? I mean, like, he's right. There you go. That's all I wanted you to say is that I'm right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, the glories of season two. I know. It, it's just great. And I I love the relationship between Ian and Barbara. And like, you can't watch this story and not tell me that they're not a couple. Right. Because they obviously are. Right. Um, and they, you know, they downplay it because it's a kid's show. But, you know, you're not living in that villa for a month together, feeding each other grapes. And there ain't something going on there. So... <laughs> There is no hanky panky in the TARDIS, as John Nathan Turner used to say, but that doesn't mean you can't have hanky panky in an ancient Roman villa on the outskirts of Rome. Yeah. I mean, what Absolutely. else are you going to do there? Come on. I mean, what's a couple of years between friends, Ian and Barbara? Nothing. Right. It's just more than just friends. <laughs> so, but no, I, um, they're great. And so obviously we get, you know, everybody gets separated and has their own little story and adventures in this. And they, you know, almost run across each other because again, it's a farcical type of story and they don't, they never actually run in together. And then at the end, when they've all had their adventures come back together, like the doctor doesn't even want to listen to their story, about what happened to them, he just thinks they've been laying around, uh, you know, being lazy the whole time. And, right. you know, it's like the, do 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 ending is like the little musical sting plays like, wah, wah, and, I don't know. I love it. It's just like, you know, Ian and Barbara, they look at each other and like, well, 
that's just the way it is with a doctor, I guess. <laughs> it's but just it, like, just go on to the next adventure. Exactly. I love at the end of season, uh, episode four when uh, Ian and Barbara have found their way back to the villa and they just sort of pick up where they left off. They pick up with making a joke about go getting something out of the fridge. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so cute and they are so sweet together. And they are. And then uh. like, he chases her around the room and yes. he, look at the doctor and Vicky hadn't showed up a couple of minutes later, they would have walked in on something very bad happening. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. <laughs> bad or very, very good. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean out I there in mean. podcast land. You know what I mean? You know what something we mean that, that they were trying to hide from the original broadcast <laughs> audience that's, full that's of children. Right. <laughs> at the, Vicky's eyes walk into that room. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Let's talk about some of the highlights of this story, which means every moment of this story because it's so good. But I love the mistaken identity, Hartnell mm -hmm. and um, the liar player that has been killed. And I mean, you can see from the guy that's playing the the liar player early in episode one that he, he clearly looks a lot like Hartnell. Right. And then Hartnell comes along and just jumps into i'm gonna play this guy that's been murdered i'm right. just gonna impersonate I mean, like, him i mean brilliant i mean obviously it's to get the story going but yeah. i mean like doctor's like well, hey i've been hanging out in ancient rome for a month and now i wanted to have something happen so let's let's jump in and see what happens here i'm gonna pretend to be this guy right why was he killed we don't know will somebody try to kill me probably let's see what happens though <laughs> Oh, I love his attitude about the whole thing. You know, Vicky's like, surely we're not going to go to Rome. Surely when, now that we're at Rome, we're not going to stay in Rome. My dear <laughs> child, of course we are. Well, what if he tries to kill you? Well, I'm sure he will. What am I to do about that? <laughs> I love yeah, it. I mean, like, again, young and reckless. What yes, a, exactly. Doctor just taking chances. Well, and he'll get better with age. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love his young, impetuous self. That's right. <laughs> um, but, you know, even episode three where they get, you know, lock wholeheartedly down into the farce. Mm -hmm. It's fun. You know, I mean, the runaround is cute and the the crossing paths, but just slightly after and not and just always missing each other. You know, it, it gets a little tiresome by the end of the episode, but it's still fun. But the the highlight is seeing the doctor pull the wool over Nero's eyes by playing that concert that's so <laughs> sensitive that nobody can hear him play. Oh my God. Yeah, I love that's good, one of my favorite moment. first doctor moments of all. Well, I mean, you, you gotta give props to Derek Francis playing Nero in oh the God. story. He's so good. I mean, he was kind of a name mm -hmm. at that point in time. And he actively campaigned to be in Doctor Who because he liked it. Yep. Uh, which is a cool thing. And then to have him show up, like it's such this story. I, it's, it's bonkers. And I love it because like with just a few twists of, you know, a, a way you look at things like this story is horrific. It really yes. is. Yes. Because, I mean, like, it's being played for laughs, but, you know, Nero is, like, he, he wants to, like, rape Barbara. He's, like, killing people randomly, and they're playing it off for laughs. Everybody's like, ha, 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 he gave the guy the poison cup. That's funny. <laughs> he just killed a dude, <laughs> just, like, brazenly, because he can, because he's the, the crazy emperor. 
And then, you know, lights the city on fire, killing who knows how many hundreds of people. Yeah. Like it is, it could be so easily played as like this horrible tragedy. And it's being played for comedy. And I, I, I like that because it really allows Derek Francis to be funny, but he is really kind of scary like beneath that humor like if you really look at him and it's such a great way to play the character um mm-hmm. even if it is in a comedy story because like he's still absolutely bug nuts crazy and so dangerous oh yeah but it's the same in um the gunfighters it's all played up for comedy it's all laughs ha ha until you get to episode four and it's the shootout right. and it all of a sudden turns really dark and I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, like, it really is. I don't know. I mean, like, I can't sit there and say why, because it's so awful at the same time. And we're making yeah. light of such awful things. But, I mean, that's that's just humanity for you, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's all about how it's presented. Mm-hmm. But you could recut the story very easily and, oh, and make yeah. it a very scary story, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your topic is the Romans... That could easily lead the audience to think, oh, this is going to be a dark one. Because it was a brutal time. It was a Mm -hmm. brutal Mm -hmm. empire. And the fact that they throw your expectations completely off and make it a comedy is, I just think it's a really smart thing to do. But they do it leaving all that dark stuff in there. All that stuff that you think of when you think of the Roman Empire is all there. Yes, I mean, like, uh, you know, you do have to give the story uh, team props because even if it isn't, like, exactly historical accurate, like, it still hits all of those aspects of Rome, you know, for for good and bad. You know, they people are being captured and sold as slaves and made to fight to the death and being held in poor conditions. And, like, all that stuff is there, even though, I mean, like, it's still telling you, like, hey... Rome was not the best place for all people. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you see that in right at the beginning of the story when um, after Barbara has been captured and she's uh, about to be sold off as a slave and she's thrown in the jail cell with a woman who's clearly sick. And, you know, they bring Barbara new clothes and she's like, well, what about her? And they're like, oh, she doesn't need new clothes. Not where she's going, you know, right, right. no one's going to pay money for her. We're just going to feed her to the lions. And then it's like they, they don't pull any punches in this story. Right. Absolutely. And again, it's it's such a weird setting. I mean, not I mean, that's not because obviously lots of people have told funny stories set in Rome. But I mean, like to present all of the negative aspects that were present at that point in time in a comedy story. It's such a weird dichotomy that I, again, I just kind of love it. Just like you said, it's such a strange way to present a comedic story, but still show all the negative aspects involved. Yeah. So this is a weird thing, uh, but it, it's great. But look back at season one and look at the number of historicals that we had in season one. You would never have found anything like this. Like they just weren't up right. to doing this kind of thing yet. And I think that this is, one of those fulcrum points. It's one of those points where Doctor Who pivots into reinventing itself, becoming a whole new show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't want to come off as a complete gushing fanboy. So I, I will 
throw one thing in here, which is for as well as they have seemed to have done with the story. Now, this story is technically parts three, four, five, and six of the rescue uh, on the way that it was blocked and budgeted out. And you can kind of tell that the budget ran out very early in the, the filming of the story. Um, like the initial sets are all pretty good, mm -hmm. but by the time you end up wrapping up and they're in Rome proper and you've got some pretty bad stock footage and then you've got a cardboard cut out of Rome burning. It's like, all right, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the, the money ran out at the end of this one. I mean, that's just the you know way the production works. But I mean, like, I think up to that point, like, you could definitely tell they're stretching the budget, but I all of the detail that they do put into the Roman sets is still phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a cardboard cutout being set on fire, how else were they going to do it? I mean, they can't build well, an actual model of Rome well, and set know, it on why fire. Not? I don't know. Hey, I don't know. I, I think they, I, I love they, the... they did it in the fires of Pompeii. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. I like the cutout though. I think it, I love the silhouette of the city. Just, I mean, it's fine, but I mean, like you can definitely tell it's just a cardboard cutout with some fire being lit behind it. I mean, and I've gotten, again, I'm never one that is ever going to like complain about the effects in Doctor Who. I mean, it just is what it is. But I mean, like, again, I'm just trying to temper as much as I love the story. Like it's not perfect because you can definitely see the shoestring budget by the end of it. Well, Okay, I guess you make a point. I, I still think it's pretty close to perfect. As far well, as the era in which it exists, as far as the way that yes. the importance of it in the, the overall canon of Doctor Who, I think it's pretty perfect. I mean, I yes, it is. But I mean, like you also can compare to other stories that, you know, had a full on budget that, you know, you, are, the shortcomings are not as evident. Let's leave it at that. Nope. I mean, again, it is what it is based on the error and the budget that they are working from. Yes. And it's just, again, it shows by the end of it. Okay. Fair enough. I'll go along with that. So we've talked about this at length and, and obviously we clearly both love it. So what's your final score for this one? Considering the, the cardboard city being set on fire. Well, I mean, that's not going to come into my rating of the story. Again, okay, I'm just good. trying to give some fair and balanced coverage of this before I uh, go and rate it highly. So, um, <laughs> is this my favorite first story? I don't know. It's probably close. And I can understand why people... You know what? I, you know, side note here. I was watching this on my brand new brewery set that came out a couple of months ago. Oh, yes. And they... Uh, you know, have the behind the sofa where they bring in people from the different eras from the show and to watch it. And they all didn't like the story. Have you, have you watched the behind the sofa behind have, the scenes? I haven't, on even, this? I haven't even cracked open season two yet, which oh. is unlike me. I was wrong with you. I know. So, so you've got, you know, um, who was in there? You know, you got Janet and uh, Janet feeling and oh my goodness. I, I'm just, they're all watching it and they're all laughing along. And at the end of it, they're like, Oh, that was kind of rubbish. Wasn't it? Oh, it wasn't as funny. They didn't like it. It oh, just blows my mind. Oh, terrible. Blows my mind. Anyway, all that to say, I really like it. I'm going to give it, it's not, 
perfection, but it's pretty close. I'm going to go ahead and rate it a nine, I think. All right. A, a rare nine from Josh. No. Well, I mean, like, we haven't talked a whole about the McCoy area yet, so. Well, that's true. Okay, so I, I think, I mean, I was already leaning toward a nine anyway. I was kind of thinking, should I take it all the way up to a 9.5? I'll, I'll leave it at a nine, though, because I, I do think it's one of the, the strongest stories of the Hartnell era. And I think it's just a, an absolute masterpiece of mixing comedy with historical, quote unquote, horror, the horrors of the society that they're being uh, that they're existing in at that moment. And I just think it's amazing. And it's one of the briskest paced first doctor stories. Hartnell is just um, he is fully invested in this one and you can tell it in every scene. Um, so I yeah. just, I just absolutely love it. I highly recommend it to anybody listening that has not watched it yet. You better go watch yeah. it. I agree with you. It's a great story that, uh, you know, everybody gets something to do in the story. All the actors are all in fine form. It deserves your rating that you gave it. And I gave it. The nine is great. Right on. There you go. Okay. So for anybody who has seen the Romans, and once more, where would you send them, my fine friend? All right. So on Josh's spin-off media corner here, um, again, we're dealing with some first Doctor pure historical. So we're going to trump right on over to some big finish land. And I'm going to recommend a, uh, I don't want to say it's similar, but it is a historical and it is played for a lot of laughs. Um, it is called uh, The Ravelli Conspiracy by Robert Kahn and Tom Selinsky. It is a First Doctor, Stephen, and Vicky story. So I got the Vicky connection in there um, where the uh, TARDIS lands in Italy and they meet up with Machiavelli and there's a bunch of craziness going on between mistaken identities between the Pope being replaced and maybe he's not who he says he is. And there's an assassination plot and the doctor gets involved and everybody, again, a lot of comedic stuff ends up happening along the lines, mistaken identities, that sort of thing. It's not as outright comedic as like the Romans is, but it's got a lot of funny bits in it. So if you're looking for uh, some more uh, historical fix from the first doctor and Vicky, you can't go wrong with the Ravelli conspiracy. All right. Okay, so I think it is my turn to pick next week's story. Yes, it is. So how about I pick something as, let's see, no, I don't want to say bad. I don't want to say as bad as Nightmare of Eden, but no. uh, right. But no, I don't think I will. I'm going to go somewhere unexpected and just because I'm kind of in a weird mood for it and Oh my God, but there's, there's like four of them that I want to pick between and I can't decide which ones. So I'm going to go 11th doctor. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go to the middle season. Okay. The second half of the middle season. Okay. And I'm going to say the girl who waited. Interesting. Okay. Right. Girl who waited. Not what I would have gone for, but I don't think I've seen it since it came out. So we'll see. You know, good timing one me idea. All right. All right. We'll see how it goes. Excellent. So just to just for full disclosure, the ones that I was trying to decide between were the ones right around it. Night terrors 
and the God complex. See all of which, all of which I love. And the one from the following season, which I also love, but isn't as popular. And that's hide. So I think my pick, if I was going to end up with 11 doctor pick would have been the God complex, which is weird because I have some choice words for Toby Whithouse, but for some reason <laughs> I like that story. Um, yeah. And I don't know why I kind of want to revisit it at some point. Well, we can always do a twofer. Nah, we're just going to stick with the girl who went going with your original story. Go with the, right, go with the original good. plan. We got to keep, can't give it all out for free early on. We got to, you know, space it out, Alan. Yeah, because 60 years of Doctor Who is going to go by <laughs> like that if we start doubling up and being crazy. Don't you know it? <laughs> I'll tell you the one that I really want to do, but it's just too long and I'm not going to have the opportunity to do it this week. And that's the, that's the, the three-parter from Capaldi's third season. Ooh. Yeah, I really want us to get into that one. Oh, I would love to do that. All right, so that's it for this week. We will... See you next week. We'll check in with the 11th doctor and I hope everybody has a great week and we will talk to you soon. We'll be seeing you. Thanks for listening to Doctor Who A to Z. You can find episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and other podcast networks. Theme remix used by kind permission of Doctor Who composer Dominic Glenn. We'd love to hear from you, so please drop us a line at Z at gmail or leave a comment wherever you're listening. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time. And until then, remember, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Yeah.